Well, this morning, I think rather than actually preaching a sermon, I want to just kind of talk to you, just like we were sitting in the living room and just saying, what what do you want to see in this new year? What are your goals? What are your uh, uh, motivations for growing in Christ, growing spiritually for this new year? And as I thought about what text, what would be a good uh, a good passage of Scripture for us to think about along that line, I immediately thought of the passage in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. That's the one I want us to look at this morning, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Now, this is written by one of the most uh, spiritually mature, spiritually active men that ever lived, maybe one of the greatest missionaries, one of the greatest, uh, certainly one of the greatest apostles and preachers that ever lived, the Apostle Paul. So you think, well, if he has certain ambitions and certain goals, then that might be good for me to have as well, and I think so. And this has been a passage that I've looked to many, many times over the last 50 or so years at the end of a year and the beginning of a new year. Paul says, not that I have already obtained. In other words, I, I don't think I'm, uh, I'm, I am have achieved yet what I want to achieve or am already perfect. He said, I know that there's some deficiencies, there's some areas in my life where I need to grow. But I press on to make it my own. In other words, I want to be perfect. Do you want to be perfect? (laughs) Do you want to be all that God wants you to be? He said, I know I'm not yet. But he said, uh, uh, I I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He said, what I want to see happen in my life is based on the fact that God has saved me. God has redeemed me. The... uh, 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 daily devotional that John Piper put on about four days ago talked about how grateful he was. He said, I just tremble at the concept, the idea that God saved me. And, you know, uh, sometimes after we've been saved for a while, we just kind of begin to take that for granted. We lose the wonder of it. We lose the amazement of it. We lose the excitement and the joy of it. And that happens with almost everything. You know, if a person gets a new car and, all oh, he's so excited about it, he just loves having that car. But after he drives it for a little while, it just, he kind of gets used to it. It even happens with us in our relationships and our marriage and things like that. But it ought not to happen to us in our salvation. We need to every day be reminded of the amazement and the wonder of the fact that God loved us and that God sent his son to die for us. He paid the price for our salvation and he has transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness, the realm of darkness, and has placed us in the realm of the light of his own dear son and when we talk about that you know we we want to sing songs and write songs like amazing grace and the wonder of it all but if we're not careful those things become 
commonplace to us. They become trite to us. When I first started to college a long, long time ago, uh, the first class I had in college was a, called a homiletics class. Now, homiletics is the art of preaching. It's, the, it's, the, uh, it's, it's a class on how to preach. I know you're wondering what I made in that class. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, it was a very interesting class, and we used this as a textbook, a textbook written by Dr. John A. Broadus, who was at one time the president of Southwestern Seminary. And uh, Dr. Broadus, in the very first chapter, the first page of that book, he said there are three things that I need to warn all you young preachers about. And the very first one was, he said, what he called a deadening familiarity of the sublime. A deadening familiarity of the sublime. He said, you are going to be handling holy things and dealing with eternal issues and elements for all of your life. And he said, if you're not careful, those things can become commonplace. And listen, if you've been a Christian longer than five years, you know what I'm talking about. You can, you can begin to uh, become content with just coming to church and singing songs and listening to sermons and then going about the rest of your day, the rest of your week, the rest of your life just as if those things weren't really true as long as they, like they didn't have an effect on your life. There's a song we used to sing called The Wonder of It All. The Wonder of It All. I can't remember all the words to the song, but the theme of the song was, God, don't let me lose that sense of amazement and wonder that I'm saved. And so I would say that uh, as, as he says in this passage, we want to remain in that element of amazement. So let's look at that. Go ahead and continue with that passage of Scripture. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I, again, acknowledge that I hadn't got there yet, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, like in 2017, and straining forward to what lies ahead in 2018, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in God, of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, there is a, a, a goal that I have. And he said, it is... That upward call. What is the upward call? 
The upward call is that call that is on your life and my life to be conformed to the very likeness and image of the person of Jesus Christ. That's the upward call. Not, not just to go to heaven when we die, but the upward call is that call of conformity to the character and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would just ask you, is that your, is that your goal? Is that what you really want to see? You know, uh, it's easy for us as Christians to get to the place where we're just content. We, where we're, uh, what's, the, what's the word? Not con- content. Uh, what, satisfied, yeah. Complacent, that's the word I was looking for. We just get to the place where we're just complacent. We just think, you know, well, I, I'm a Christian, and uh, I, but now I've got to kind of do life, you see. I, I've got stuff i got to do, and I'll go to church on Sunday, and I'll sing praises to God on Sunday, and then if I face a real serious challenge of some kind, I'll call out to him, cry out to him, and on certain occasions, I'll, uh, I'll draw close to him. But I've got to do life. Well, the Apostle Paul, the same man who wrote this passage, said just earlier, a uh, chapter earlier, for, for me, life is Christ. To live is Christ. And Jesus is not someone that we should just think of occasionally or, on, or, or weekly on Sunday or in times of crisis. He ought to be. He is that goal, that upward call that we are to keep constantly before us. Paul says this one thing, this number one thing, doesn't mean the only thing, but this one thing, it means this is the focus, this is the this is the primary thing that I do is every day and every hour of every day I want to be thinking like this. Oh, to be like Jesus, to be conformed to his image, to, to grow more and more and more into his likeness. And he says, I know I have, I'm not there yet. I realize that there are still elements of my life, there are still areas of my life where I'm deficient in Christ-likeness. But he said, this is, this is the goal that I have. This is what consumes me. This is what drives me. He said in another place, the love of Christ constrains me. It drives me on. It pushes me on. And somebody said to me, well, does that mean Christ's love for us or our love for him? And I said, yes. It means both. The love of Christ His love for us is what motivates our love for Him. And so the more we realize how much He loves us, then the more we'll love Him. And that love, the love of Christ, is what constrains us, drives us on, presses us forward. And that's what He's saying here. I press forward. So so how do we do that? And I, I just had six thoughts on this passage. Number one is that we must recognize our need to grow. The very moment that we become 
complacent or satisfied with where we are in our spiritual life, then we never grow beyond that. It's just, uh, that's true in almost every area of our life. As soon as we think we've arrived, then we stop pressing on for improvement. And so we must recognize, hey, I'm not where I want to be. I, I have not arrived yet. I, I haven't achieved that that I have been saved for. And so that's the, the very first thing Paul emphasizes here is that I know I'm not yet what I want to be. And so we must recognize our need to grow. And then we must press. He uses this word press. The Greek word here is agonizo it means to agonize it means to to strain to to uh uh you know no pain no gain kind of idea is that i i want it's not going to be a casual desire it's not a, 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 a if i get around to it desire it is a primary desire and i am going to press toward it <clears throat> on the way driving over here today, I thought, you know, how do we press? How do we, wh- what do we do to, to press on to become more like Christ? And I thought, well, we have to separate ourselves from negative, carnal influences. That's one thing. We have to say, there are some things I just have to lay aside. There are things I cannot do if I'm going to become what God wants me to become. Uh, When I was in college and was uh, on the cross-country team, our coach told us, he said, uh, if you're going to be, if we're going to be the champion team in the state of Tennessee, then each of you guys have to be champions. And he said, if you're going to be champions, there are two things. Number one, you have to leave some things out of your life. You can't do what the other your other classmates do. He said, you can't smoke. You can't drink alcohol. You can't even drink Cokes. And I, I don't know whether that's true or not, but he made us believe it. And he said, you can't stay up late. You've got to get your rest. So there's some things you've got to not do. There's some things you've got to cut out of your life. But he said, that in itself is not enough. said, then you've got to press. You've got to push. You've got to, you've got to work really, really hard. And he saw to that. When we'd come to practice, we would run 8, 10, 12 miles in every practice and we would think we were going to die and he would tell us you're not going to die and none of us did actually but I will say this when we were handed the trophy for the state cross country winning the state cross country team we all rejoiced and we thought, how wonderful that, that, we're, that we're champions. But 
those words kept coming back to me. You can never be a champion unless you leave some things out and then there are some things you have to do. And I thought this morning, come over here, we have to separate ourselves from things that hinder us from reaching the goal. When I do marriage counseling with a couple that are struggling in their marriage, I usually ask them, what is your goal? What do you want to see? Where do you want your marriage to be, say, three years from now, five years from now? And I try to get them to clearly define their goal. And, of course, most men, they start off by saying, well, I'd like to see her do this and this and this. I say, no, no, wait a minute. I'm talking about your goal. What do you want to see God do in your life? How do you want to see him make you more loving and tender and kind and helpful and things like that? What's your goal? And when I can get them to define their goal very clearly, then I say, okay, now if if you're going to be there in five years, here's the second question. What are the things in your relationship that hinder you from getting there? What are the barriers to that goal that you've got to eliminate? And then the third question is not just what is your goal, what hinders you, but then what steps do you have to take to get there? And if I can get a couple to define those things clearly, to sit down together and say, Here, here's the kind of marriage I'd like for us to have. Here's the kind of husband I want to be. Here's the kind of wife I want to be. Here's the kind of home I want us to have. Now, what are the things that keep us from getting there? I've got to eliminate those. And listen, there are things all around us every day that keep us from the prize, from the goal of the prize of the upward call. And I mean, you cannot spend hours in non-spiritual, non-positive, or I guess that's negative, negative stuff and become a positive spiritual involved be involved in positive spiritual growth you can't do that it's like a person who says i want to be a successful basketball player but i don't want to practice i don't want to i don't want to put in any effort or i'd love to be able to play the piano like tracy but i <clears throat> but but i don't want to practice do you ever practice <laughs> yeah it's, it's work. Anything you're going to get better at, you have to eliminate some things. And I tell you, there are probably people in your life who are drains on you. They, they do not help you become a better Christ follower. They are like anchors. They are like... Uh, um, a ball and chain, they hinder you. I'm not saying you can't 
love them, pray for them, be friends with them, but, but you cannot let them be the primary uh, relationships in your life. Amen. So you've got to separate yourself from activities, sometimes people, certainly influences. I mean, what you watch on television, I tell you, there's so much negative stuff out there. There's so much stuff that's just not only doesn't enhance spiritual growth, it actually fights against it. And so something, and I'm not talking about just uh, the, you know, really bad stuff, pornography and stuff like that. Those things are a, a given. But just... Ask yourself this question about everything that you're involved in. Will this help me achieve the goal? Or will it hinder me? So uh, he says, I, I have to press. So and the, this thought I had coming over here was we need to separate ourselves from hindrances and then we need to saturate ourselves and those things that will help us. We need to soak in God's word. Uh, I know most of you uh, have some kind of Bible reading plan. Do you have a plan to read through the whole Bible in 2018? And uh, there, there are a lot of good ones out there. The one I use is the Read Scripture with the uh, Bible Project. And uh, Susan, you, that's one you used this year, wasn't it? Did you get through the whole thing and finish it all? Huh? And my wife and I did too. Saturate yourself in the Word. But just reading the Bible every day is not enough either. You need to saturate yourself in Christian friends, uh, trying to uh, alliterate it this morning, coming over here. I thought we need to saturate ourselves in the Word. We need to saturate ourselves in worship, both private and corporate. And we need to saturate ourselves with worshipers. Let the people that you surround yourself with be people that love Jesus. Now, again, I'm not saying that you can't be friends and you can't associate with people who aren't Christians. We have to. In fact, Jesus said, I'm not saying you shouldn't have anything to do. Paul said you shouldn't. I'm not saying you shouldn't have anything to do with unbelievers because then you'd have to go out of the world. You're in the world, so you're going to have some folks around you that are not believers. But when you have the choice, who can I associate with? Look for people who love Jesus. Saturate yourself with worshipers. Because Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians that, that, I mean in Romans, that if, uh, that, Bad companions corrupt good morals. It's true, isn't it? The people we hang around with, we tend to begin to follow their ways. And that's true positively as well. 
if I'm around people who love Jesus, it stokes the fire, the flame of my love for Jesus. So saturate yourself with the Word of God, with the worship of God, and with worshipers of God. Fill your life with those things. There it is. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. That's true, isn't it? And again, we can't always be with Christian people. Uh, Talking with Kathy Cumming, the girl many of you know Kathy. She's a friend of ours that lives in Atlanta. She's just taken a new job. And she said she works in an office. She used to work for North American Mission Board. So all the people in her office were Christians. But now she's working the secular company. And she said, uh, it's just so totally different. She said she just hears such filthy language. Just unbelievable. And such uh, uh, promiscuous uh, sexual language. And she said, it affects me. And it does. You can't be around bad company without it having a negative effect. So how do you counter that since you have to be around? How many of you work with people that are not Christians? Let me see. Yeah. Well, almost everybody works. (laughs) So how do you counter that? Well, you have to have a group of people who are worshipers of Jesus that you can associate with as much as possible. And I know here at church on Sunday, that's that helps, doesn't it? Man, I tell you, I look forward to coming to church on Sunday. I need this time. I really do. And I, I've said in my morning devotional this morning that you folks have been such an encouragement to me and my wife this year. This has been a real hard year for us. It's been a real stressful, straining, painful year in a lot of ways for our family. And the one of the redemptive elements of it for us has been this time right here when we gather together with you on Sundays and share the love of Jesus with each other. See, I know a lot of people look at church as, well, it's a place to come, and maybe even some preachers look at it as just a place to come and preach or come to put on their show or whatever, you know, I don't know. But for us, we look at it as a vital hour to help us press forward toward the prize toward the goal for the prize of that upward call. So y'all are not just incidental folks in our life. You are vital people to us that help us, that help us every week 
and many of you we communicate with, you know, all through the week. And, uh, and uh, so thank you for being to us a support and a strength and an encouragement. So, so we, we press. That's the second thing, and I'm almost, not quite almost through, but I'm getting about over halfway through. The third thing is that we can't live in the past. Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. You know, uh, one bad thing about the past is that it usually holds some failures for us. But one good thing about the past is that it's past. <laughs> it's, it's done. We can't do anything to correct it. We look back. We can learn from it, but we can't change it. There are things I look back over the 50-something years of my Christian life, and I think, boy, if I had just known back then what I know now, I would have done this different, done that differently. But I didn't. And I couldn't. I, 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 I just didn't. But I can look back at those things and I can regret them, which is pointless, or I can just say, thank God they're forgiven. They're past and they're done. So I'm going to forget about the past. I'm going to forget about the failures of the past because I can't change them. And I'm even going to forget about the successes of the past because they could only make me prideful or they could make me prideful. Well, I've just got to look back and say, it's past. I'm just going to let it go. 2017 is over and done in about 12 hours. And uh, that clock says 440. I don't think that's right, is it? <laughs> Have I preached that long already? Uh, but in about 12 hours, 2017 is history. I just forget about that. I have to just lay it down, lay it down, lay it down. But then I have to press forward. That's the next point is that I have to press. I have to see the prize, and I have to press, press, Press. I know some people say, well, you know, you're, it sounds to me like you're making the Christian life works. Listen, it is work. It is work. We do not earn salvation by working for it. It's all by grace, totally by grace. We do not even achieve spiritual growth by our effort. It also is the grace of God that works in us. But it does involve determination, decision to say, I am going to do the right thing. I am going to work. I'm not saved by works. I don't even grow by works, but I work. Does that seem like a contradiction? Maybe, but it's not. If the Apostle Paul 
probably the most spiritually sensitive and mature man who wrote anything in the New Testament can say, this is the one thing I do. I am pressing forward. I am pushing. I am working hard. Then he says, yet it's not I that work. It's the grace of God that works in me. But I still make that determination to work. And then I have to long for God's glory and gratefully do everything in the name of Jesus. Listen to these two verses. Out of, the first one is out of 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Paul has been talking with the Christians there about this debate over whether they should eat certain foods and things like that. But he concludes it with this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Listen, he says, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Boy, that would be a good slogan for this next year, wouldn't it? Is I just want to ask everything I choose to do, will God say, that, that gives glory to me. That, that glorifies me. And then listen to this verse. This is another whatever you do verse, Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, in word, everything you say, or deed, everything you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do it all in his name. What, What does it mean to do something in the name of somebody? Well, it means you do it for their glory. You do it with with their approval. I remember when I was in about the sixth grade, seventh grade, I was going to buy a new baseball bat. And uh, back then, there were no Los Angeles Dodgers. They were the Brooklyn Dodgers back then. And I loved the Brooklyn Dodgers. Pee Wee Reese and Roy Campanelli and Duke Snyder, all that whole team. None of you know even what I'm talking about, do you? But I went to the hardware store to buy a baseball bat, and I started looking through the bats, and I pulled out one, and there burned into the side of it was a, an autograph, Duke Snyder. I said, that's the one I want. It has Duke Snyder's name on it. That's the bat for me. And I thought years later, I want to live my life that way. I want to look at all of the events, all of the choices, all of the things that I'm doing, and I want to say, I want Jesus' name on all that I do. And I want to say, if I can do this in the name of Jesus, then I'll be happy. That's what I want to do. So whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name 
of the Lord Jesus. And then whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And if I can live that way, I want to live that way in my home. I want to, in my relationship with my wife, as we begin a 53rd year of marriage, I want to say I don't want to take anything for granted. And I don't want to look at the past. I want to look at the future. I want to say this new year, can I be to her the husband that Jesus could put his name on and say, "That's you're doing that in my name for my glory. And as your pastor, I want the same thing. I'm going to say, I want to love the people at Bear Creek with the love of Jesus. And I want to close this next year, 2018, to feel like Jesus could say, I can put my name on that year and say, you did that in my name. And in all the other relationships and circumstances of life, I want to do all for the glory of God and in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I want to forget the past. Say, I can't do anything about that. I've got to look ahead. I've got to say there is a prize out there. There's a, there's a goal. And again, y'all get tired of me talking about my cross-country days, but you know when you can't do anything else, you can just remember when you used to be able to do something. But our coach would show us a picture almost every, not every practice, but almost every practice, he would show us a picture of the state trophy. He'd say, guys, this is what we're going to bring home at the end of the season. Look at it. Get a good picture of it. This is the prize. Now go run. Practice. We're going to bring that trophy home. That helped me. That motivated me. So there's nothing wrong with us looking at the prize. I see the day when I stand before Jesus and I will be perfectly, fully, thoroughly conformed to his image. That's the prize. That's the upward call. And so I want to say this, this one thing, this primary thing, this main thing I do, lay aside the past, can't change it. And I want to focus on that prize and run with all my might the race set before us, keeping my gaze on him. And that's my prayer for all of us this year. Separate yourself from every hindrance. That's what the writer of the Hebrews said. Lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily trips you up. Separate yourself from the hindrances. Saturate yourself with the word, with worship, 
and with worshipers. And run with patience, with endurance, the race that's set before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for your word that so encourages, strengthens, feeds, nourishes, guards, and guides us. Lord, how how tragic it would be for us to not have your word. And I know there are millions of people in the world today who are devoid of it. They don't even they, they don't even know that there is a revealed word from you. But we have it, and we're grateful for it. But I pray that you will help us not just to have it on our coffee tables or on our shelves, but that we will read it and love it, learn it, and most of all, live it. Help us to separate ourselves from those things that would hinder us in the race and to saturate ourselves with those things that will help us run the race. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.